from a secret location in room 100 of 540 Jack Gibbs Boulevard, this is Craft. I'm your host, Doug Dangler. Colson Whitehead is the author of six novels, including the phenomenally successful novel The Underground Railroad, which was a number one New York Times bestseller, number one Time Magazine Book of the Year, and number one Amazon Book of the Year. He's written for The New Yorker, The New York Times, and Harper's, among others. He will be a guest speaker at the Bexley Public Library on April 28th. More information about that event is available at crafttheshow.com. Welcome to Craft, Colson Whitehead. Howdy, thanks for having me. Well, we're uh, very happy to talk to you and looking forward to your visit. Tell me about uh, the the Underground Railroad is the story of two slaves who make a bid for freedom via the Underground Railroad, which you reimagine as an actual underground subway. Tell me about the writing of that book. How did how did you get started on it? I, you know, I, I had the idea um, almost 17 years ago. Um, I came across a reference to the Underground Railroad and I remembered how when I was a kid uh, and my teacher was explaining it to me, I envisioned a literal you know, subway beneath the earth. And I thought, wouldn't that be a, a kind of crazy idea for a book? And um, then I added this other element uh, to the structure that each state um, our protagonist goes through is a different state of American possibility, sort of like Gulliver's Travels. She's moving from different islands of American experience. And um, uh, it seemed like a good idea, but I wasn't up for tackling it at the time. And so every couple of years I would think about how I was ready. And then finally, um, about three years ago, I was like, I've been putting it off, putting it off for so long. Maybe this is the book I should be doing. Mm-hmm. So, what made you put it off? What made you think that you weren't ready for the topic? I think in terms of, uh, you know, I think craft wise, I didn't think I could pull it off on the page. I think the, you know, the research is, is daunting, you know, doing such a deep dive into slavery, racism, and American history. Um, I didn't feel emotionally up for it. And it just seemed if I wrote some more books or became a little, got a little older and wiser, I might be able to you know, do the book in the way it deserved to be done. What kind of um, background research did you do for the book? Uh, maybe something that you could recommend to other people who are interested in the topic after having read your novel? Well, I mean... Um, uh, I'm not really someone who likes to leave the house, and luckily all of the primary sources are in the public domain. So, um, uh, you know, there's one famous slave narrative by Harriet Jacobs called Incidents in the Life of a Slave Girl mm-hmm. um, about the sort of unique terrors of being a female slave and on the run. And then in the 1930s, um, the Works Progress Administration, the U.S. government, hired writers to ca- capture the uh, life stories of former slaves people who were kids and teens at the time of uh, the Civil War. And there's thousands of them. And so, uh, you know, you can just go to the Library of Congress online and, and uh, you know, spend an hour or two looking at them. Or, um, and they're, you know, they're two paragraphs long or ten pages long. And they give a real idea of the variety of the slave experience. Were there particular ones that you found yourself recounting to other people, like the Harriet Jacobs story? Were there ones that just stuck with you and ended up in the book like that? Well, you know, in, in a fictional form. Not, not so much in, individual slave stories, but it's, you know, odd fact. There's so many details of how the system was propped up, the slave system, uh, that when you hear someone describing some particulars, it's, you know, startling. Yeah, I remember one early on, uh, there's someone talking about how Every year, their master would uh, get them get them a, 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 a new uh, pair of wooden shoes, and you know you don't really think of 
wooden shoes being a thing here. Uh, but uh, yes, I mean, it's a, a cheap way to give your slaves some footwear. And so it so got me thinking, like, it's not in the book, but, you know, so who's the carpenter who makes them? You know, every year he, he takes an order of 50 shoes from a certain plantation. How long does it take? Uh, how long do they wear out? Obviously, they're very uncomfortable. And so there's all, you know, all, you know blacksmiths uh, obviously made chains, but also made the tires, uh, made the wheel rims for the carriages uh, that would bring cotton to market and, you know, the new towns that sprouted up on the cotton routes. So mm-hmm. blacksmiths are in there and, you know, all sorts of professions you don't think that are associated with the system but at are. And, you know, that gave me a lot of fuel for the book. You've received uh, a lot of acclaim for the book and a number of accolades. Uh, one in particular, what was your reaction when you heard that Oprah had chosen the Underground Railroad for her book club? Well, I mean, uh, you know, I was elated. You know, I was like, oh, maybe my kids can go to college. That'd be nice. Um, so, uh, you know, uh, a lot of my books sound weird in the cover copy that people read in, you know, bookstores. And I am, um, uh, you know, when you get that Oprah endorsement, it means people who usually walk by your book in a bookstore pick it up. And so I was very glad. And that's what definitely happened. Okay. I imagine that was a, a day when you thought we should be celebrating. You go out to eat. You, What do you do on a, on a day like that? Uh, it was April 18th and uh, last year. I remember the day uh, well. And then, you know, it, it was going to be a surprise. They were, were going to surprise launch the book in August. So we just didn't uh, tell anybody. So we had to live with this, sec- this really nice secret for a couple of months. Mm, and yeah, uh, that's, that's tough. And people are like, oh, are you worried about the perception of the book i'm like no not really <laughs> i think uh, he might go okay yeah so okay. now among the many awards your writing has received was a macarthur fellowship a genius grant how does winning an award like that impact your writing i mean on the one hand it's really affirming because you think hey i won this award i'm worthy but on the other hand you think i won this award which means that everything i produce from this point on has to be really good how does that how do you work with that on a daily basis well, that's one point of view. Um, but for me, I, I just took it as an affirmation that, um, you know, I was writing these kind of weirdo, uh, weirdo books, and I should keep doing it. And I shouldn't actually change anything. I should just keep doing uh, what I've been doing up to that point. And so, you know, it, it's you know for five years, it's uh, it gives you money to live on. Um, and for me, it's just sort of instead of it being daunting, it was uh, encouraging. Mm-hmm. You know, you've been, you know, I'd sort of been finding my voice. And here comes this organization to say, keep doing exactly what you're doing and don't change it. And so, um, and so uh, that's what I try to do. Um, is it like one of those things that you get to put above the mantle? I, I have never There's won no, an award, so I need to you know, imagine what this must be like. It, it's, a, it, it's a check, but you know, uh, it allowed me to buy an apartment a couple of years ago and allowed me as a um, sort of a Gen X flacker type to... Um, you know, start a family, and so it gave me, gave me financial security, and of course, and I probably wouldn't have had my oldest daughter at that time, and so mm-hmm. I have a little MacArthur child <laughs> from nice. the uh, sense of security that the award gave, gave me. So no award, but a lot of uh, sort of ancillary things. Now, I read a piece of yours in the New Yorker called A Psychotronic Childhood, Learning from B-Movies, and it suggests that although now you're not as fond as B-Movies as you were in your childhood, you still see some threads from movies like this in your novels, like your first novel, The Intuitionist. And I, 
I was particularly struck by your description of sort of young, uh, when you were young, uh, questionable technology purchases as, and I'll quote this here, good training for a writer. For the sooner you accept the fact that you are a deluded idiot who is always out of step with reality, the better off you will be. Do you still feel that way about your uh, profession? Uh, well, I think in terms of, you know, you, you spend most of your time in your house writing, uh, well, it could be realistic books or fantastic books or just strange books, and then you never know how people will receive them. And so um, if you internalize the idea that um, the reality that you're going to, get rejection and people don't necessarily understand your books all the time and uh, you'll get bad reviews and you'll get bad reviews on Goodreads or Amazon and that's part of the process if you, you know, don't take it too personally and just uh, try to do the best work you can with each book. Uh, I think that's a good, a good lesson. And what's a good day for you as a writer? Just uh, do you have word counts? How do you uh, know that you've put in the work that you wanted to put in that day? Well, for me, I, I try to do like eight pages a week, and it can be you know Monday and Tuesday, and then Friday or Saturday or Thursday through Sunday. Um, but for me, you know, eight pages is a nice accumulation; it adds up. That's like four hundred pages a year, and that's like a book. And um, and uh, I think you know if I have ten a.m. to three p.m. free, that's good for like one to four pages, depending on uh, how things are going that day, and that's a, that's a good day. And then. And maybe, you know, pick up my kid from school and come back and have another, another hour to revise around five before I make dinner. That seems like a, a pretty productive day. Yeah, it sounds like a, actually a, a really good day. Well, <laughs> yeah. uh, I, I thank you very much, Colson Whitehead, for talking to me today on Craft. And I'm really looking forward to you coming to town for the Bexley Public Library on April 28th. So congratulations on all the accolades for the Underground Railroad and have a great day. Thanks, you too. Until next time. Hey there, craft listeners. Like what you just heard on the show? I'll host a live show at Wild Goose Creative on Tuesday, April 18th at 8 p.m. I'll have live readings of original short stories, a live interview with Lena Maria Ferreira, book giveaways, music, and anything else I can cram into it. That's Tuesday, April 18th at Wild Goose on Summit Street. More information is available at crafttheshow.com. <laughs>